There will be spoilers ahead. Lots of spoilers, so be careful, won't you? Eastbound and down, loaded up in truck, and we gonna do what they say can't be done. We got a long way to go and a short time to get there, but I'm eastbound, just watch old bandit run. That's the theme of this week's movie on Max Mike Movies. That's right, we're coming towards the end of our series, ladies and gentlemen, The Beatles, and what movie better personifies Smokey and the Bandit than The Beatles' own Hard Day's Night? Nope, I sure can't think of one. The themes explore all the same. They're both filmed in black and white, and heck, Jerry Reed is practically the 18th Beatle twice removed. So how else could I start off this show? Nah, can't see any other way. Nope, no sir, no how. But I bet that crumb bun over there could, because that there is the very clean man himself, godfather of soul, uncle of bop, aunt of hip-hop, Max Levine. Try not to uh, strangle me, Max. Oh, Mike. Poor Mike. <laughs> it's all been too much for you, hasn't it? Smokey and the Bandit, get it? Because, no, they're down. <gasps> no, I don't at all. Neither does anyone else. You deranged loon. Yeah, well, that's because I'm the one who didn't do his homework, didn't study for the test, and has been paying for it ever since. Old screaming chicken himself, Mike Luce. <laughs> and as Burt Reynolds would say, we're going to get us some Beatles. But first... <laughs> Never most. said that. <laughs> at least twice. There's that poll question we got to take there care of. Question. Last week, we asked what comic book character needs their own film, and there were a few good answers. First up was Dave. Can I get a Dave? Dave! Thank you. Who gave us two, Squirrel Girl or Roll the Cat? Extra points for those of you who know what comic Raul came from. Oh, Thanks, I know. Dave. That was uh, that uh, Ralph Bakshi X-rated uh, com comic movie. So he already had one. No. Wrong cat? <laughs> yes. Oh. But, uh, Squirrel Girl, we were supposed to get uh, a live-action show. We never did. Oh. Well, Steve Kellner was next, and he seconded Squirrel Girl. Huh. Well, maybe I should check her out. He yeah. came back later with E-Man. Ooh, there's a deal. Oh, wow. That would be <laughs> that would be expensive. Panties and funny. capes. Panties and capes. We're going to get some candy. Oh, no, and that, capes. that's someone else. We'll get to that. Oh, yeah. Uh, those are good choices, though. Thanks, Steve. Yeah. The weasel kind of cheated by not seriously <laughs> suggesting King Tut. Turns out they did eventually bring him into the comics, but he was decidedly un-Victor Buono-esque. Oh, then what's the point? I don't know. Since the character yeah, was made up as far as kind of delayed echo in here. <laughs> Batman. Uh, anyway, thanks, Weasel, for, yeah. Val Coons posted Cerebus. Ooh, that'd be an interesting one. Thanks, not my sister. <clears throat> <laughs> Matt Reisman gives us, quote, I think I'd really enjoy an animated bone movie or series, end quote. Ooh, uh, missed it by that much. Yeah, they're going to do that on ne yeah, Netflix, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Thanks, Matt. And over from the site, as the kids say, we have the snowman who typed, quote, Neil the horse, no relation to Bumpy wow. that I know of. I actually know what it is. Yeah, I've heard of it. But... I am sort of amazed that American Flag was never made into a movie by now, though, end quote. Oh, and there goes the prize money for knowing yeah. Raul the cat. Yeah. Thanks, Vince. And Max actually did know what comic it was from, so he just played along. So, Max, what about you? Who do you think needs their own comic book-based movie that ain't got one yet? I know it wouldn't work because there's just 
the licensing would be a nightmare. But I'd lo- I would love to see Normal Man. Huh. So why wouldn't Normal that, Man work? The cross-licensing, I mean, they make fun of, like, ElfQuest, Marvel, DC. It would be incredibly difficult. And also, honestly, it's kind of a one-note joke. I don't know how well it would work outside of a comic book. Mm-hmm. Normal Man, for those of you who don't know, is basically an ordinary human being who ends up on a world where every other, every single other person is a superhero. Hmm. Is that and where so, that's where Song and Dance Man comes from? That Song and Dance Man, who are conjoined twins, <laughs> and just dance through the background every so often, singing "Panties and Capes, Panties and Capes." All superheroes wear panties and capes. <laughs> Which until they had, until I read that, I was going, "Oh dear God, they're right." <laughs> Hadn't really hit me. Well, you know where that comes from, right? Yeah, yeah, circus performers. Yeah, so that that's where because superheroes was like, well, we'll just dress them like the guys in the in the circus. Yeah. Um, is that also where we got the unhappy F men? No, that is from E Man. That's from E Man. Okay. Yeah. They they had I think they had their own parodies of the X Men in Normal Man, but it wasn't that uh, direct. Wasn't uh, wasn't the leader of them uh, Zit Pops who had to wear yes. a ruby begonia facial shield to hold back his terrifying facial blasts? Yep. <laughs> yep, it, it was bloody hilarious. What is it? And uh, I don't. Uh, Kitty porn. Yeah. Who is, yeah. She is bright. She's thirteen and a half years old. Bright, spunky, and very, very cute. Most people are tempted to bludgeon her to death with a shovel. Yeah, probably not a bad and, idea. So, just normal man. Nobody else. I I don't know. I used to think I'd like to see the badger. Oh but yeah. People people have done the whole. I mean, recently, Moon Knight, the whole multiple personality superhero. Except I think with the right writing, it could be really funny. Yeah, whatever you say, Larry. Um, yeah. I think, didn't he have 17, I think it was? Something like that. I don't think he knew. Oh. He had a whole bunch. One of and them was, was a, a little girl. <laughs> one was a little girl. One was uh, was a, a serial killer. One was a 12th century mystic Viking. Yeah. It, it was, uh, oh, one was a gay architect. One was his his baseline personality, and the other another one was the Badger. I think there were others too. Was he Norbert Sykes? Yes. Okay. Wow. Well, that's phew, dig, dig that Boy, one out of the Good crowd. memory, man. Uh, well, connected to that, uh, yeah. a comic that I think would make a great show is Nexus, which at various points oh. is written by the same person. Um, and I really liked Nexus. Nexus was space opera with a capital S, capital O. Um, not very well known, but uh, I liked it. Another comic I'd like to see is Mage, the first run, just Ooh. the first run. <laughs> oh, that would be that would work. I think it'd make a really good show. I think it'd make well, a great series or something. Yeah, because yeah, uh, the whole idea is that a lot of the various mystical characters from literature actually existed. Sometimes they're gods, or in this case, we have the Earth Mage, who is more or less Merlin, and mm-hmm. a current-day guy named Kevin Matchstick, who has a magical bat, which is actually the personification of um, Excalibur. Excalibur. Yeah. And he's supposed to be Arthur, or a version of Arthur, uh, who looks haunting like, like the guy who wrote and drew the comic. Ah, <laughs> but that's what Matt Wagner looks like, huh? Yeah, uh, just pretty much at the time. And the funny thing is, is that when he did the second series, Matt Wagner was losing his hair, so Kevin Matchstick lost, <laughs> lost his hair, too. That's fair. Yeah. Um, also, if I want to dig deeper, there is a an English pair called Milligan and McCarthy who did some really odd 
um, comics. One of them, there's a miniseries called Rogan Gosh that was done by Vertigo. They also did a character I really liked, who I think they did once, named Parallax. Um, was literally a guy who found a, uh, a super suit that allowed him to uh, phase through things, but he wasn't always good at getting all the way through things, so sometimes he had things like like a toaster stuck through him. And stuff. <laughs> oh, dear. Um, but they, especially the artist, um, McCarthy, his stuff is very trippy, very psychedelic-y, and I would actually love to see an animated movie of stuff like his. And let's face it, if we're going to go that direction, something by Mobius, I think, an actual Ooh. Mobius cartoon made into an animated film would be really cool. The, the closest I could say we got is kind of Fifth Element, because he did a lot of the production design for that. Oh, but, okay. Um, yeah. I, I kind of would, if we're going that way, I'd kind of like to see a DR and Quinch car, uh, movie. <laughs> That's a good old 2000 AD, isn't it? That's right. Yeah, they were fun. Two thousand yeah. those British comics for those who haven't seen it. So, um, yeah. But hey, you know mm. we love the answers. We Thank always you love so the much. answers. Obviously, got us talking. Yeah, and uh, who knows? Maybe we'll even do a series on comic book things at some point, or a show based on some yeah, comic book character. I, I don't know. Oh, it's probably a silly idea. We'll never do it. That's cr- that's crazy talk. But of course, we have a new question for this week. Tell us, tell us. What is your favorite movie quote? What line pops into your head most often, and why do you like it so much? Let us know in ways that will astound you with rainbows. My <laughs> Reading is like a rainbow in your mind. <laughs> no, that's... Well, uh, my favorite, obviously, is Duck Magnum Duck! Because <laughs> he's a blonde. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah. But for the moment, let's get back to... The Beatles! Trivia. The title song, A Hard Day's Night, comes from one of Ringo's many malapropisms. Once he'd said it, John and Paul raced each other to write a song song first. John Uh, won, and he wrote it in one sitting. Although apparently they all contributed, but yeah. There's one beetle missing. In the scene where the lads are all running about the field. Huh? Yeah, no, not Pete Best. (laughs) Not even Pete Worst. Uh, In the scene where the lads are all running about the field, that is, in fact, not John Lennon, but an incredible simulation. Wow, John Mania. Yeah, he was off uh, promoting a book he'd written called In My Own Right, W-R-I-T-E. Oh, okay. He's in the rest of the movie. Yes, just that one scene. Ringo, ever the method actor, looked quite sad while sitting by the river when he's off on his own. Well... Sad's not the right word. No? Hungover seemed to be the right one, as he'd been out late the night before drinking (laughs) heavily. (laughs) Uh. Can't act? Try drinking. (laughs) Okay. The movie was... I'm sorry? I was going to say, you know, the melancholy, I just thought, as someone said, are you sad all the time? And he he replied to the reporter, it's just me face. (laughs) And we'll actually get to that very soon. The movie wasn't made as merch. It wasn't even meant to make money. United Artists expected to take a bath with it. What they did expect to make money on was the soundtrack, which they would distribute. Mm -hmm. Thing is, the $500,000 budgeted movie pulled in about $8 million of its own. Oh, (laughs) wow. Yeah. uh, At the time, anyway, it was considered one of, by by ratio, one of the most successful films in Hollywood history, even if it wasn't made in Hollywood. Well, it made 40 times its budget. You don't see that a lot. No. <laughs> One of the young women who had just happens to meet our lads on the train, Patty Boyd, would marry Sir George about a year and a half later. So, oh. 
just goes to show you it pays to be go on trains. You might marry a beetle. <laughs> that's the message? <laughs> yes, that's the entire message of this okay, film. Okay, <laughs> sure. Right, Take wow, the train, you might marry a beetle. Watching. Yeah. Seems the fans were not just a problem in real life, they were a problem in production as well. The whole first day shooting on the train sequence was lost as the man carrying the negatives was mistaken for a beetle, chased, <laughs> and he lost the film cans trying to get away. <laughs> oh, dear. Yeah. That's kind of terrifying. Yeah. Well, I mean, to be fair, the level of fan-ness yeah. in this film is actually toned way down because we don't see nearly as many as there would, would be. But, uh. yeah. United Artists, in their infinite wisdom decided it would be best for the Beatles to be dubbed with the uh, infamous, at least on this show, mid-Atlantic accent. Sir Paul protested, saying, quote, Look, if we can understand a bleeping cowboy talking Texan, they can understand us talking Liverpool, end quote. He has a uh, point, and he's not but... even French. <laughs> <laughs> the Beatles' characterizations were both written and observed. Alan Owen expanded on the personalities he'd seen while the band was on tour, and as such... John became the smartass, Paul the cute one, George is the quiet one, and Ringo is goofy and sad. So, uh, but yeah, he just has sort of sad eyes, sort of, but he smiles yeah, a lot, so. Yeah. Though cut from the film, a very young Phil Collins was in a crowd scene when the oh. lads were singing, You Can't Do That. At least you can't <laughs> do that on television. Um, this appearance would inspire him to go on and write songs for Disney's animated Tarzan. Oh, and some other things, probably. Yeah, probably. Yeah, <laughs> eh, Phil Collins, never heard of him. Uh, yeah, that gambling club that Ringhouse somehow gets an invitation from oh, Le, Le Cirque, Cirque yeah. is the same one from the first James Bond film, Dr. No. I, th I, thought th I think it's a real place. It is. Yeah, very famous. Another Bond connection. The stuffy old man in the train car was played by the same actor who would play Colonel Smithers in the opening of Goldfinger. And if that wasn't enough, a woman at Le Cirque played Dink in Goldfinger as well. Conspiracy! The old man on the train, by the way, the tight ass on the train. Yep. Uh, Richard Vernon, I think his name is. I was like, I swear that voice is familiar. He pl he was in the 1981 Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy TV show. Oh. He played Slarty Bart Fast. <laughs> well, and who wouldn't? Um, yeah, I, the other thing, of course, is that the film was made by United Artists, who were the people at the time who were putting out the Bond film. So, mm. uh, okay. All of the Beatles went to the premiere. But none of them stayed through it. <laughs> oh, dear. Don't know what that means, although, <laughs> yeah. The actual name of the band, The Beatles, is never once stated in the film. Oh, that's right. I didn't think nope. of that. But, yeah, no one ever says that. Well, there's it's that one point where they come the out like, ladies and gentlemen, these guys. You know <laughs> that point. Oh, sure. Smoking. The Beatles we're smoking! Ooh. This was actually a problem when shown to American audience who have obviously got over such things, or uh, have we. Even <laughs> Elvis knew not to be seen publicly smoking as it tended to suggest a less-than-clear-cut background. <laughs> Though smoking was on lots of TV shows and movies at the time. Shocking! The, the Flintstones were advertising cigarettes. All I know is that that apparently was the thing they didn't even think about, but when it got, <gasps> they're not as clean-cut as we thought they were. They're, they're polluting our children's mind. Give me that pack oh, of Marlboros. Uh, <laughs> yeah, whatever. Though pretty much an utter lie, the film's opening credits include, quote, all characters and events in this film are fictitious. Any similarity <laughs> to actual events or persons living or dead is purely coincidental, end quote. Uh, but, <laughs> but, 
Um, yeah. They're, I mean, yeah, okay, they're even fine. called by name, so whatever. Just not the yeah. Beatles. So. And quite honestly, a whole lot more. But uh, unless Max has some extra tidbits? No, I mean, there's a ton of stuff I know, but uh, I think that covers most of the interesting stuff. Oh, too bad, because um, now I have to get on to the... the plot? plot? Yeah. Uh, uh, spoiler, shortest plot I ever wrote. <laughs> <laughs> the plot. There isn't one. Seriously, the Beatles oh. get on a train, they're chased by fans, get off a train, are chased by fans, sing some songs, Paul's fake grandfather is along for the ride to try and get him out of the house, and the lads from Liverpool are just more or less themselves, scripted or not, as they eventually make their way to a live performance somewhere. No! Oh, and uh, wackiness and hijinks, the end. <laughs> the lowdown. So Max. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, it's, it covers just it. Isn't there just isn't? Yeah. Uh, uh, my favorite thing in the opening we have starring and they list the Beatles. Also starring Wilfred Bramble. That's right. And I'm like, who As, the uh, hell is that? Grandpa uh, McCartney. I have to say, Grandpa McCartney. He's a hoot. <laughs> he's a lot of fun. He is. He's all, well. Also, he's an actual actor. I mean, this the, the guy Brambley, He was. He was in everything. Hell, he was in Steptoe and Son, which was the uh, sort of British... Uh, precursor. Precursor or inspiration, if you want to be polite, for Sanford and Son. Right. And he which played... I realize um, a lot of our audience doesn't know what that is anymore. Was, I think know, he played Chico. <laughs> I, I thought he was the man. Oh, well, whatever. Don't let him get you down. Yeah, uh, yeah. At first, it's like I thought they were, because I, I hadn't seen this, uh, spoiler, uh, yeah. I thought this was just an old man they were going to make fun of on the train. It's like, oh, he's Paul's grandfather. It's like, okay, they're just making, and it's like, no, he's supposed to be, he's not. He's Irish, for one thing. Yeah. And to be fair, Paul McCartney, he probably has a background that's Irish, too. Probably. Um, but he literally, I think what, they don't quite say this, but I think literally Grandma said, get out of the house, and mm -hmm. made Paul take him. He needs to change of scene. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, he's very clean. He's clean what man. is it? This is odd running thing where everybody, he's very clean. What's it? He's a nice old man, isn't he? He's very clean. My, what a clean old man. Yeah, he's I very, Everyone's commenting on how clean he is. I think I did see something about that, but there was so much trivia that I couldn't, you know, I could have gone on for on and on and I on. I just and on figured and it was like some play on the idea of dirty old man. But. I want to think, I think it actually had something to do with Steptoe and Son, and I just can't remember what it was. And I think, oh, that's right, because I think Steptoe and Son was, he was on that, it was, it was all about uh, a rag and bone man. And so now he's oh, clean. Oh, that's right. Yeah, apparently that was, I, I just looked, it's the catchphrase. Is your dirty old man right? So now he's a clean old man. Uh, he, he is. He doesn't have a lot of moments, but the ones he has are actually pretty fun. Yeah. Um, there's one point where he's trying to get the lads to sign a photograph, and it's like, oh, okay, that's cool. And it's like, oh no, he's getting them to sign a photograph so he can forge their signatures and yep, sell and other ones. Sell them. Yep. yep. <laughs> yeah. I. I don't know. I. I enjoyed his performance. Performance. I thought he was a hoot. Um, and then, of course, we get the the, the lads themselves. And they're yeah they're really all playing their own the basic caricatures of their um, personas. Yeah, yeah, John Lennon is always being a wise ass. George is sort of introspective. And, well, here's the thing I wasn't expecting because I don't I know the music I don't really know the Beatles themselves and I haven't watched the movies but John's actually pretty funny. He's he was actually he was a well he had a very odd sense of humor. Yeah. I mean, that's why apparently he and Yoko got along so well. Most people thought her stuff was just incomprehensible, and he just saw it as incredibly clever. Hmm. But yeah, no, he was he was very funny. He just, his sense of humor apparently could get a little mean. 
Yeah, I could see that. He seemed a little frantic in some places, you know, and they said that this was scripted. It's like, I'm sure some of it was. <laughs> yeah, I, it does. Some of it really does feel improv. I still wonder about the whole sequence where they're running around in the field. Yeah. Uh, that looked just like they were told to go and just be silly. Oh, no, I'm sure they, they had to do it five or six times to get all the steps exactly. No, no. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, it's funny. Er, there were only a couple of sequences I was watching that made me think of the Ruttles. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, when they're like, I think it's the first time they play Can't Buy Me Love, and they're running out of fire time. escape. And I'm going, oh, they did exactly that thing in the Ruttles. But I'm sitting there going, this movie does it so much better. It's shorter, it's better edited, the camera angles are more interesting, and the playing around in the field, again, tighter edited, more interesting camera work. I'm still going, did they have a helicopter? Apparently. Because overhead shots, or was that a crane? No, I mean, no, you could tell the way the movie... Well, also, we see one in the end of the film, so they true, probably just were true. like, well, we've got this, let's like, just use it. That's that's kind of, for 1964, that's pretty imaginative. Yeah, I, I got to say, too, this is in black and white because we're right on that edge where yeah. most films are color, but there's still black and whites coming out. It's really nicely photographed. Like, yeah. the contrast, the depth of focus, it's actually very well shot, which surprised me. Yeah, the composition me. of all the shots are, are interesting. It holds, holds your attention. That said, the pacing is also very 60s. It's not consistent. I'll, I'll say that. Um, we get... Basically, the Beatles and some actors uh, yeah. here and there. Although, again, John was much more of a delight than I thought. One of the earliest things he does is their managers come in to bother them in the train compartment, and John is sitting there miming, sniffing Coke out of a Pepsi <laughs> bottle. <laughs> so it's not like you, it's not Coke, man, because it's actually Pepsi, so you can't. But he's still like going, and then the other nostril, and it's just like yep, this weird yep. little throwaway thing, but it's actually pretty funny. And I, they had, there's that sort of odd comedy duo of their manager and their agent, you know, Shake and Norm. Yeah. <laughs> and one of the ru- the running gags is Norm complaining, oh, Shake, stop being taller than me. <laughs> I can't help it. You know, wait, I just figured it out. It's that you're shorter than me. And, you know, okay. Uh, apparently, actually, based on. Uh, yeah, the they're actually people. based on yep, yeah, those real people, actual roles. We don't know who they are, so that's fine. Yeah, um, yeah. The guy who plays Mister, who eventually plays Colonel Smithers, the the one with the, the <laughs> in the train. Yeah, I thought it was really interesting because it really showed the difference in classes at that yeah. point. Because they are in a car. There is a sign on the window that says "reserved." So mm-hmm. I don't know if that's that first means, class, right? The Beatles are there. The only person that leaves is their their uh, two managers leave after they've left. You know, the boys have been told what not to do, which, of course, they're going to do anyway. And this guy comes out of nowhere, comes in and sits down and basically immediately assumes control of the of the rail car. And it's like the first thing he does, he sits there and gives them all dirty looks because of their hair. Oh, shocking. And of course, they're young people. So that's oh, forget it. But then he's like he closes the window and they're like. Oh, can we have that open? He's like, no, we can't. I ride this rail regularly twice a week, which apparently gives him greater right. Yeah, he's basically the older generation, the stuffy old generation who can't stand these kids today. Yeah. And if they were on his lawn, he would demand they get off it. If they were even thinking the word lawn. Yeah. But it was interesting because, of course, you know, this is the time period where things shift a lot in popular culture there here everywhere media where it used to be well we're going to make these things for 
you know, married people and older, you know, middle-aged people and stuff. And now everything's shifting towards aiming for the kids. And the Beatles are at the forefront of this. And this, I thought that, and it's such a weird thing to focus on, but it's like, wow, the class privilege here is just like nuts. This guy literally walks in and and it's such, and it's colonialism in like a little two minute bit, right? Mm Because he walks in, it's like, now you're going to do the things my way. I have privileges. I'm, I'm upper crust British. I know it's right. No, you can't smoke. No, you can't have the window open. No, you can't play the radio. Like and it's like we're you we've been here for the last ten minutes of and by the way this is our movie <laughs> <laughs> and not to mention hi we're the friggin' Beatles we're the most famous people on earth right now yeah so I can't help but I mean he, and it was greatly played the guy playing Smithers had you know perfect he had that British upper crust oh yeah you know, that that very entitled very things aren't supposed to change I like things the way they are no 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 yes. All these bloody foreigners, blah, blah, blah. Exactly. And I can't help but wonder if they did that. Like, I want, I really wonder how that was perceived at the time. Like, was well, there cheering? The, I don't, probably. There was a certain amount of, you know, at that point, you'll never trust anyone under 30, you right. fight the authority, fight, you know, save the empire, damn the man. <laughs> well, have we even gotten to the don't trust anyone under 30 yet? I don't think No, that was have. a little late. It was the beginning of the counterculture in, in 64. Well, I mean, this was made in 63. It was just starting out. It wouldn't be. Wouldn't, I don't think the never trust anyone until thirty was more of the the serious hippie move in the late sixties. Yeah, but of course these guys are rebelling with their haircuts, but they're still wearing suits. <laughs> yeah, they're wearing suits and ties. They're all very neatly groomed. Nowadays, of course, we look and like, oh no, their hair comes slightly below their ears. <laughs> like really, this is supposed to be shot. Well, of course, and it was for the time that whole. Yeah. I do like when they're at the party and people are asking, they're being interviewed and people are asking these ridiculous questions and one of them asks Ringo's, what, do you, what would you call that hairstyle? He just says, Arthur. <laughs> I, I love that. I did too. I had it in my notes. There's a couple of lines in here which are actually funny. There's one yeah. point where people are, we don't know what they're asking Paul McCartney because they only cut to him when he answers the question. He keeps saying, no, actually, we're just good friends. And it's like... <laughs> Are they talking about the Beatles? And it's like, what? Yeah. And then later on, it's like, oh, is that your grandfather? No, we're just good friends. Yeah, he like, just okay. answers that about everybody. Yeah. Um, yeah, the counterculture, though, is is interesting because if you look at the footage of the people in the crowds, most of them are young women, but there are some guys in there, and they're all wearing suits and ties. Yeah. Like, I'm rebelling, but I'm going to dress nice. When's the last time you saw somebody wearing a suit that uh... wasn't at a funeral? <laughs> No, I see people see people in suits sometimes. I don't. You know, most form yeah formal events or. That's it though. Yeah, it has to be an event. Like even people at work these days, it's like. It's I don't know. Just... I I don't hang around a lot of banks, so I don't know. Maybe the executives in the bank still wear them. Yeah, I don't know, but it's like it used to be. Well, you just wore one, like you wore a suit. You yeah, know, that's what you yeah. did, and. I just I don't know I just found that part of it kind of inter- unintentionally interesting because of course they're just depicting the way people were and it's like oh no his hair is two inches too long and it's like um, he's wearing a thong <laughs> would that bother you or is it just the hair I don't know <laughs> um, I liked the uh, appearance by Mad Magazine <laughs> that was cute that was cute and it, it it is strange to think that they actually toned down the fan reaction because they do show a bunch of scenes of them being literally chased down the street or in a train station by hordes of screaming teenagers, mostly girls, but not all. And it's disturbing because a few times you see, and I don't know if this is intentional, 
so, somebody falls and is just trampled by the rest of them. Yeah. Well, apparently one of those shots, I'm trying to think, was it George who fell? George fell. He oh, actually okay. uh, tore his suit and all the other Beatles stopped and waited for him to get up and they you know, would run with him. Oh. But s- most of the scenes, of course, they were extras. Some of them they weren't. <laughs> I mean, that's really disturbing. When we talk about now, it's like, oh my God, you know, fans going through the rock stars garbage or hiding outside their houses or trying to get in their cars. I don't know if we, if we still get the crazed rampaging mobs charging after them. I, I don't know if this is just because now they hire meaner security people, which quite honestly, they would be within their rights to do because that's scary as hell. Yeah. I don't, let's put it this way. It's either become so normalized that they don't bother reporting it anymore or they don't do it anymore because that whole... Because remember, we talked about this when we saw good old Frida. Um, yeah. And that was that people had this fantasy that they were actually going to marry the Beatles. Yeah. Um, and when they would you know, get married off here and there, uh, people would just be like, yeah, I'm done with the Beatles because I can't marry them anymore. And it's just like, wait, what? <laughs> and I think potentially because of things like social media... Um, where everybody decides that everybody has to know everything we're doing right now. It's like, look what I pooped this morning. Okay, thank you, Instagram. Um, uh, that's people... not pooptogram, actually. Oh, but yes. oh, dang, I keep meaning to get that one. Yeah. Um, that it, in a way, it, it normalizes the, the person a little bit more, because this film is probably the most anybody has seen of the Beatles to this point. Like, oh, you may have seen them in concert way down there and they're the size yeah. of your thumb, or maybe they showed up on Ed Sullivan, but you didn't. You just see them sing. That's it. You don't see them being the Beatles so much. This is their first film, and it's an hour and 27 minutes of the boys mostly not singing. Oh, so, there's a fair amount of singing. Oh, yeah, yeah. We'll get to that. There's a lot. Of, yeah, we'll get to, we get We should talk about the all the singing. But like otherwise, like I don't think you got that much exposure to the people, and now we see them everywhere. And it's like, oh, what's J Lo wearing today, or, or whoever? I don't know who's popular. <laughs> uh, Billie Eilish. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, she is. So, um, and I, I, I've, I've watched documentaries about her, and the people love her, but I don't see them rushing the stage or going. You know what I mean? So I don't know. Well, maybe you're right. We still see people jumping up on stage. The thing is, we also see incredibly <laughs> speedy. Uh, uh, security people running out and clotheslining them, or eh, not always. Dave Chappelle. Uh, yeah, well, but yeah, um, I don't know. It's certain things that 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 just because it's the times have changed, I found interesting. Um, the speaking of the good old Frida, there's a good joke in there about they're handing out fan mail, and if they have homework, they have to sign all this fan mail, except for poor Ringo. <laughs> Yeah. Well, except they do bring in like a whole pile for him. Although the joke is like, this is from the Circle Club, yeah, you know, which is like the Rotary Club or some such. Well, no, that's the that's the the where they go. That's the gambling place. Oh, that's no, that was Le Cirque. Yeah, right. That's right. Well, that's it's right. French, so of course they said it's Circle because they don't know how to pronounce things in French. But uh, yeah, and that's oh, and they know old... how. They just refuse. <laughs> and Frida and good old Frida said, "Yeah, there were nine. And I felt so bad for poor Richie, and so because initially he wasn't getting any, but whatever. Yeah, it's they really do kind of. I, I assume this is a gag, but they really pick on Ringo quite a bit in this. Yeah, I, and I, they make a lot of fun of it. Everyone seems to make fun of his nose. Well, it is 
rather <laughs> large. I knew it was big, but I didn't think it was going to be big. Yeah. And it is big. Noticeable. Yeah. But I will say, whatever else, because um, this is still pretty early in the Beatles. We're hitting right, we're getting to the midpoint, but the camaraderie between them feels real to me. How did you think? I, they seem, you get the feeling these are guys that hang out together a lot. Yeah. They, they're very familiar with each other. They're very comfortable with each other. Yeah. I don't know if they like each other. I, you know, I didn't get anything about John and Paul at all. Um, I didn't see George looking like he felt left out so much. There's plenty of George in there. Um, I think that that stuff will come later. I mean, we know this stuff comes later, but I guess they just haven't been through quite as much yet. Because, um, yeah, of course, they're still touring at this point. They're still playing. They will for, like, what, another two years? 66, yeah. is that when they gave up? Uh, I thought it was 68, but yeah. I, I, it It is interesting to me. You know, you were talking about, oh, no, they're smoking. <laughs> they never drink. Well, I don't. I think maybe a bottle of beer. Maybe. Well, you know, John is trying to snort Pepsi. But <laughs> well, yeah. But there's no, there's no alcohol. I mean, oh, there is alcohol in the movie. They never touch it. No. Well, they're try- there's a that of course would be you know oh that's that's not clean cut we can't do that they don't eat either they try yeah <laughs> people gonna... keep taking their food away or it's no good I, that's some sort of a running gag I guess yeah they're at the I, they're at this party and somebody's wandering about with canapes and every time the one of the Beatles reaches from she turns away and they don't get any so I don't I don't know what that means but whatever. what did you think of that rather odd sequence with George when he is dragged into the office of that fashion designer or, or trendsetter basically he runs into the 60s equivalent of an influencer yep. and uh, wants him to look at these shirts and tell everyone how much he likes them and they has no idea who he is or they think he's he they, the closest we get is maybe they think he's a George Harrison impersonator right well so i did see some of this in the trivia and apparently the woman question and i don't remember her name did have a show she was real and yeah she was I thought a, so it was a love or hate thing like she would say what's hip and what's not and yeah. people loved her and hated her which i guess is the sign of a good um influencer uh-huh. whatever um apparently when he co- when he, they hold up these shirts they that and they want to know his opinion he calls them grotty yeah apparently that was a a term that they had heard or they said they'd heard when they were kids but wasn't in common usage at the time and oh. they're credited as making it popular saying grotty oh, okay. for grotesque apparently the shirts in question bore a very similar um, look to shirts that have been worn by the Dave Clark Five oh dear and the yeah so that may or may not have been a commentary on. Uh. What they thought of the Dave Clark Five? There are rumors that they didn't like each other, that those two groups had kind of, I don't know if it was a rivalry or they just didn't get along or what. Yeah, that's what I I thought. It was an odd little sequence, but also it sort of showed you, to me it was kind of cool because it's like, the thing we're doing right now, the film you're watching, was made by people like this. (laughs) It's just strange. It's very, it's like he walks into a different movie. Yeah. For like three minutes or so. Well, that happens a lot. <laughs> I do. And again, the little things like John does when uh, they're measuring him for clothes and the guy's holding the tape measure and he picks up a pair of scissors, turns around and says, like the queen, I declare this bridge open and snips the tape measure. I loved that. I <laughs> died. It was so... And that was like, to me, I was seeing a John I did not know, but uh, I was really delighted in because he seemed so childlike and fun and... 
that was a real bit of British humor right there to me. Like that. There is a lot of that in this movie. This this is such a damn English movie. Oh yeah. my god. Never mind that all of the slang and the, the uh, colloquialisms when you're you know, let's say he's got a big beezer beezer. Oh nose, right. <laughs> or neb or any of those things. Or, yeah, it's a, let's get a cup of get a cup of eh? Yeah. If, if you really have to pay attention. But there's also, you know, standard sort of British humor stuff. Like in the middle of the movie, for no reason, there is a German operatic number going on, <laughs> and Paul's grandfather rises through a trap door into the middle of it. And well, it's just chased. like, all, all right. <laughs> I well, kept, and when the police are chasing them, I kept expecting someone in a gorilla suit to show up in the chase. And then a little bald man to appear and someone to walk over and slap him repeatedly on the top of the head. It was very Benny Hill. All done to Yakety Sacks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, that's, so that's another thing. So the, the, when the plot actually shows up, such as it is, and there really isn't any, oh. apparently the big deal is you're going to be doing this live broadcast show, which for some reason looks like the British equivalent of the Donnie and Marie hour, because it's all these different acts that, let's face it, the audience is not going to care about. Because it's yeah. going to be this German opera thing. And it's the uh, be fellow with his ten disappearing dogs. Nine. Nine, <laughs> yes. <laughs> I laughed out loud at that. Did you? I did. I thought that was pretty funny. It was it was a cheap shot, but it it worked. And the thing is, is it's so telegraphed because they're standing in front of the sign that says 10 disappearing doves. Paul claps the guy on the shoulder. No, no, it's the granddad. Granddad oh, the does. granddad. Claps and, him on the shoulder and feathers fall out of his cuff. Well, no, first we claps him. The guy looks sort of upset. Uh, then the feathers, it's a very slow joke. You know what's coming. He then, the feathers fall to the floor. He slowly takes a pen out of his pocket, turns to the sign, crosses <laughs> off the ten, and writes a nine. And it's funny. Yeah, it works. Um, if that's the stuff that Alan Owen was writing, good for him. Um, maybe it makes the Beatles out to be, as you said, caricatured or something, but I was surprisingly amused, so it's all right. Um, it, it's so odd. Like you said, they have these sort of variety show. There's a set of dancers yeah. who are dancing before. And if you listen, they're dancing to this sort of blanded out version of Happy Just to Dance With You, the Beatles song that the, that the Beatles then come out and play the way it's supposed to be played. Yeah. But it's the same song. It's the same music. And of course, as you say, they never use the, use the name of the band, but all over the wall are these huge fo photographs of beetles, actual yeah. insects. <laughs> in case you forgot. Yeah. Um, let's talk about the songs in this film, shall we? Okay. Okay. I mean, they're Beatles songs, so hey, they're great. But the, well, they're very early Beatles song. I mean, yeah. But they're mostly the catchy ones and the lovey-dovey ones, which yeah. is, you know, I'm in love with you, insert name here. Yep, all right. You know, they start off really with the, well, with the Hard Day's Night, and then it's like when they're playing in the in cards in the cargo Hold of the train. It's the plane I should have realized. Yeah. The best thing is the the songs always fit the moment and the mood perfect. Oh, wait. No, not at all. No, they don't. <laughs> they have nothing to do with what's going on at all. They just, it's like those old, hey, look, here's a guitar. I'll play a song. <laughs> it's Bare Naked Ladies. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> Uh, yeah, and then there's uh, later on in the film, it's like, wait, can't buy me love. Didn't we already hear? Yes, we did. Yeah, they do a couple of songs twice, 
Or there's um, this odd one where they're just mucking around on the set of the TV show they're going to be on, and they suddenly break into a fully choreographed, orchestrated version of If I Fell in Love with You. But if you look, Ringo is not playing the drums. He's moving the sticks, but he's not hitting them. Is that the one where he's playing the bongos? No, that was another one. Well, that was cool, because the one where he's playing the bongos, you can hear that there's also the sound of the sticks, and it's like, uh, who's playing them? <laughs> yeah, that was in, I think, And I Love Her. Yeah. One of the things that surprised me is, and I have heard it, and it just never occurred to me that it was him, John Lennon is playing the harmonica. And what? he does. He really plays the harmonica, and he plays it on a bunch of the songs. Why did you think it wouldn't be him? I didn't know he could play the harmonica. Oh. Well, he can in the movie anyway. No, he really can. I looked oh, okay. it up. Could. Uh, all I know is that towards this, especially towards the end of the film, because like really the last 10 minutes of the film is yeah. just the concert. Yeah, uh, they're just playing song after song. To, uh, to quote Gypsy, pad the film, pad the film, pad, pad, pad the film. <laughs> Although actually maybe it's Crow. <laughs> it, I think it's all of them. I thought they all, all three of them sing it. Yeah, it's just like, um, and uh, some songs. It's like, uh, once again, well, uh, clearly. Uh, we've almost got the soundtrack, almost, almost yeah. one more song. Oh, we've made yep, it. Yep, we got to fill out the soundtrack a little bit. There we go. Yeah, and interestingly, this was a record that was released by United Artists, and it was like one of the only, if, if not the only Beatles album that was. And when United decided to get out of doing music, they, uh, of course, the people who were doing Parlophone or whoever was doing it in, in Britain, went ahead and grabbed the record and they uh. re-released it because there was a version of the songs that the Beatles did on a different, uh, there was a soundtrack album and the soundtrack album also had like the Beatles songs and you know, background music from the music, because, like, who cares? Yeah. Um, but they also released albums with the songs from this movie in it other ways, but they made a ton on the soundtrack, so they were Good. happy, and a ton on the movie, because, yeah, Beatles. But, yeah, uh, it's just, the whole last bit of the film is just this, this, and there's also, that's where the only, if you want to call it conflict. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's the only sort of plot plot issue is, yeah, Ringo... In a very strange sequence, Paul's granddad convinces Ringo that he shouldn't be reading books or sitting in a canteen. He should be out living life. Yeah. And now <laughs> let, let, let's let let's break that down a little bit. Here is this old man tell oh, old man, it's kind of sad now. He's gotta be like in his fifties maybe, but uh, here is this guy telling one of the most famous musicians in the history of the world that he, she's wasting his life and life is passing him by and he should go out and walk around. He should parade. He that should parade. That is the term he uses. And Ringo goes for it. And he just well, walks around London getting into very, very, very minor trouble. I mean, basically, he's told to live it up, and what is? And he gets them all wound up, and Ringo finally says, yeah. you're right, and throws his book down, which I, I'd actually found out what the book was. Now I forget what it was. I don't remember. It didn't matter. Uh, and who does he decide to live it up with? These four kids. <laughs> <laughs> Literally. Actually, I thought that scene where he's walking along the river with his camera, and he just starts talking to this kid, was really kind of sweet. Yeah. It just also but went to prove... Ringo's just not the rebellious type. <laughs> he's really not. I mean, he's you know, tipping his hat to the police officer. And... Yeah. Well, and then he gets pulled in, 
Yeah, um, for nothing, really. For, yeah. Uh, Possibly then, causing a breach of the peace. Yeah, and the grandfather gets pulled in, and the grandfather is all like, oh, you rotten <laughs> policeman, you're always Damn like, when are you going to beat us all up? All coppers are villains. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, I love that. You're all coppers are villains. And they started, would you like, would you two like some tea? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's how they get you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the tea. Um and then, of course, now, oh, no, are they going to be in time for their show? They missed their their dress rehearsal of yet one more Beatles song. Um, but that's okay, because they're going to play one while they're looking for Ringo, so we won't miss anything. Um, and then, lo and behold, at the last minute, they find Ringo, and they distract the cops and get them out. And, um, and you did nothing happen, basically. <laughs> yeah. This whole film is kind of, the theme is basically nothing happens. Um, but <laughs> But, well, you get to see Kinda. the Beatles, you know. You see the Beatles, and you see them goofing around, and you see the way people react to them. Um, so one of the things that often happens in films of this type, or just in other types of films, is you get people who are not generally known for their acting. Yeah. Often they're music musicians. Sometimes they could be politicians, whatever. And suddenly they're thrust into the stage, and they're told to act. So in order, who would you say is the worst of the four Beatles as an actor and who is the best? I just wonder what your opinion is. I'm not sure. It's, uh, I don't know about the worst. I think John is probably the best. That's Honestly, what I he's, I think, the most theatrical he always was. Uh, I think Ringo is pretty good. I, I would say, if I had to say worst, I'd say it's Paul. Why would you say Paul? Because Paul has one shtick. He just sort of mugs at the camera and he, he doesn't have much of a range of facial expressions, and pretty much all the others do, and he doesn't say as much. He doesn't seem to actually do as much as the others. Hmm. I was going to put uh, George on the bottom, but then you, you reminded me of that scene where he's actually dealing with the grotty shirts and stuff. Yeah, so. and that was... I, he actually got to be kind of interesting there. Yeah. And he was believable. Like, yeah, yeah, we watched them and turn the sound... Watch them turn the sound down and say, say rude things. <laughs> I think what it comes down to for me is that John seems the most comfortable. Yeah, I think he was he was very comfortable with an audience. Or potentially, John was the one who cared the least. <laughs> He's yeah, just like I, I, could, I don't care I couldn't what you speak think. To that. I don't know. Well, no, no, I don't mean about the film. I mean about oh. I don't care what you think. I'm just going to uh. be me. I'm out there. Doesn't matter. And maybe because of that, that's why he's so funny. Because John is funny. Yeah. I really did not expect that, but John is funny. Um, I would say after having watched this, I might have called George the moody one. He seemed to be the, the sort of least happy of the group. He was always sort of the quiet, introspective one. Yeah, he's also the youngest, if I'm if I'm not mistaken. Oh, I never I, could ne I never remember. I think he's a year younger than everybody. A year okay. or two younger than everybody else. Because I think when he went to Germany, he was only seventeen. It is something to see them in these movies. In this movie, they look like children. <laughs> they look so. I mean. Lennon, not as much, but George Harrison looks like a baby. Well, so does Paul to some extent. There's this one point where Granddad wants him, oh no, who is it who wants to show him how to shave? Um, oh, no, that's right. Um, Shake wants uh, George to show him, or one of them to show him how to shave. And it's like, what do you know about shaving? Yeah, have you ever used a razor? Come on. Yeah, and that's actually pretty... 
a very well set up bit of camera work because he yeah. actually just he he just sort of rolls his eyes and he he sprays the shaving cream on the mirror, but it exactly where it would be on the face of yep. um, the manager, and then proceeds. And this is a shaving, and he's like oop oop oop, and like there's little bits where he's like catching it. And I hate shaving scenes because I'm always worried someone's going to cut themselves. Yeah. Yep. What else you got? I I do like some of the interaction between Shake and Norm. I just because some of it is so out of left field. Shake's playing around, he's putting on one of the wigs, and Norm yells, snaps at him, Shake, take that wig off, it suits you. <laughs> like, what? <laughs> no idea, and it's one of those big French piled high yep, yep. You know, foppish wigs, you know. <laughs> Mayhap foppish though I be, I might be the Scarlet Pumpernickel. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, and I just like the way, you know, John will say, just turn to someone and go, Cheeky. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, now it's a little, a little bit of a gay thing sneaking in there but that's oh okay yeah. well because you know that's uh brian epstein was i just thought know. it was you know he, he was just like he was interpreting innocent sounding phrases as something naughty oh but to him, the way he said cheeky that's i think oh. it's supposed to be a little gay oh, all right. thing but mm. whatever um there's a slight hint there's a couple of scenes where you can get the working classness of the boys background um, they've been polished up a lot, but there's a, especially when, honestly, when they're smoking, uh, yeah. where you can like, yeah, they did not grow up in a big, nice picket fence house. They, they actually were, yeah. No, these were working class lads. Yeah. yeah. Other than that, I'm, uh, I'm out of, uh, notes. Uh, I do, I do like the way they end it, you know, because, uh, Lennon's first, one of his first lines to Norm is, you're a swine, Norm. And at the end it's like, Lennon, I just got one thing to say to you. You're a swine. Kind of like the bracket. But yeah, that's about it. The Roundup. So, Max. Yeah. When was the first time? Yeah, I know you couldn't have oh, seen this when Lord. it came out. because um, No, but I saw it when I was a kid. Yeah. And I remember, and <laughs> I am really embarrassed to say this, but when I was a kid, I remember thinking this was an actual documentary. <laughs> oh, yeah, because, and I, I let me explain, I was very stupid. <laughs> Now, so I'm, now, you, you I'm looking at it now, and I'm going, what was wrong? Well, the only thing I can say in my defense is I, that may be the, the first thing I ever saw that looked like a documentary. Well, it's in black and white, too. And when you were a kid, by that yeah. point, everything was in color. So, yeah. oh, this is serious. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I think as a kid, I thought it was boring. Because nothing happens for the most part. It's true. And, I mean, I liked the songs. Except those aren't my favorite Beatles songs. I like the later ones, honestly. Right. I like the things you get from Rubber Soul and Abbey Road and Sgt. Pepper. Yeah. These aren't bad, but it's kind of what the Ruttles highlighted. If you actually just listen to the lyrics, they're kind of inane for the most part. What makes them work is the musicianship and the, the harmonies and the incredible voice work. Mm. Which, as a kid, I didn't appreciate quite as much. So... You saw it when you were a kid. Do you, yeah. Can you recall before doing this show when the last time you saw this film was? Yeah, I saw it in high school uh, at one at the Harvard Square Theater with the, I think it was a double feature. Uh, it Probably may have been help. with it was either with help or um, there was this, or let it be. I can't remember. Magical Mystery Tour. No, I never because Magical Mystery Tour I saw on videotape. Okay. I think I don't remember much of it. I remember it being pretty dull. And what did you remember about it from seeing it in high school? Again, I was that was when I was like, wait a minute, I don't think this is a real documentary. <laughs> 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 
Max cresting over that stupidity uh, he talked yeah, about. Yeah, no, no, just just a slight decrease in stupidity, uh, you know, which persists to this day. Hang uh, ten, Max. <laughs> I, again, I I thought help was more fun. Yeah. When I was a kid, when I was younger, but. Uh, and you've never seen this. Well, we're not done yet because oh, well, right. now yeah. we've done Help and yeah. Hard Day's Night. So yeah. you just watched it for this show. What do you think about it now? I actually think it's a much better movie than, than Help. Yeah. I, in terms of just cinematically, it's much better done. As you say, this, the camera work is really good. They're more fun to watch. In Help, as we talked about, they mostly seem like they don't want to be there. Well, in some cases, they and most because... of them are stone. They're stone through most of it. <laughs> we yeah. be- yes, because by that point they had been introduced to tea. Yes, tea, <laughs> which, by the way, was a slang for marijuana. It was oh, in right, the sixties. Marijuana starts with tea. Well, no, because it lo- it looked like ground up leaves. Oh, yeah, I, I it was think just called Mary Jane. <laughs> no, it had a lot of names. I think tea lasted about eight months, and that um. was it. But. Uh, I gotta say though, still this is very sixties, and parts of this movie are incredibly slow. Yes. And as I say, this is not my favorite musical phase of the Beatles. But when they're just goofing around, it's so it's a lot of fun, and and some of it is very funny. Uh, overall, I don't know how well it hangs together. It's fascinating to see because again, they look so young, and it's they're at they're they're just reaching the peak of their they're not at the peak, but they're reaching it. It, it's it's really interesting to see. What about you? This is the first time you'd seen this? This is the first time I'd seen it. What'd you think? Um, I was surprised. Like you, I had seen Help when I was a kid and remember that being goofy and hilarious and high-spirited and fun and found it to be very dull and pointless. <laughs> um, and I, I laughed a few times in this film. Mostly it was for John, but sometimes it was for the grandfather or sometimes for some of the other you know, guys making jokes. Yeah. And, fa- and some of that, I like British humor. What can I say? Um, I've sure. liked it since I was a kid. I watched Monty Python almost as it came out because our mm. local PBS station was running it in the early 70s, bare breasts yep. and all. Yep. Me too. And so I grew up with that, you know, and that that flavor, whatever, the, I don't even know how to, to codify it, but that flavor of British humor is very much in this film. Um, it's pointless. It's in the end. It's they didn't even expect it to be merch. <laughs> they were like, "We just want to do this film so we can sell a record." And it's like, yeah. "Oh, eight million dollars? Oh, yes, <laughs> we'll do that." Maybe we should have promoted it. <laughs> well, they didn't have to, apparently. Yeah. And I, yeah. I honestly think that it really is because, other than magazine photos or the albums or an occasional appearance on a TV show, which was just them playing, they were doing it, a few interviews. But yeah, yeah you just didn't get much of the Beatles at one time being the Beatles, you know, even if it was fake. Yeah, being what, what you expect the Beatles to be. <laughs> or a documentary. Um, that's right. Are you a rod or a mucker? I'm a I th- mucker. <laughs> well, that's a real thing, too. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, well, speaking of musicianship, real th- quick, I want to throw this in. I did not know this, but I found out while, uh, doing research for this uh, particular show. Uh, I wonder if this doesn't fall into why a lot of people didn't think much of Ringo as a drummer. Ringo's left-handed. And when he was a kid, his parents shoved him to be right-handed as a lot of parents did. Yeah, also schools would do that. They would would encourage you to be right-handed. 
And apparently there's there's footage in this film. Well, Ringo decided to go back to being left-handed because he was left-handed. Uh. And there's occasionally times where he had to switch hands for the drumsticks to play certain ways instead of if he'd left him in his left hand, he'd have been fine, but he couldn't. So you can see apparently, I didn't notice this, that there's times where he switches hands for the what, what things he's playing with. And I just found that really interesting. I didn't know he was left-handed and I didn't know it was something he'd been struggling with. But uh, um, So he's touched by the devil. Okay. Yeah. Part of this film was nostalgic for me, even though I hadn't seen it before, because there was one or two albums that most of these songs were on that my parents played a lot when I was a kid. Uh, and they tended to play them when they had people over for like dinner. And if it was early enough, my sister and I would dance like crazy to this stuff. <laughs> so Can't Buy Me Love, one of the biggest songs. We would just, oh, yeah. and of course, you know, at this point we're like seven and eight or nine or whatever. And we're just dancing, you know, thrashing around like crazy to the Beatles songs because we, we thought it was a lot of fun. So part of that part was nostalgic. Um, I would say if you're not a Beatles fan, why bother? Um, but that yeah. being said... It's plotless. <laughs> <laughs> it's um, not supposed to. It's supposed to be like a day in the life. I guess. And it's obviously fake, which is, well, I'm sorry. It's obvious to most of us that it's fake. Oh, <laughs> yeah, rub that in my face, why don't you? <laughs> I would have thought the same thing. Um, but the, I actually, the, the bits where the, I think we actually get to see some of the real people before it's impossible to see the real people are fun john's hilarious the scene of him in the bathtub oh my god people must have been going absolutely nuts john's naked in the bathtub ah! yes um, very odd yes be playing u-boat captain and british <laughs> bomber and then apparently we discovered john lennon can teleport well that's he okay. disappears from the suds and comes walking into the room when norm is looking for him well, also, apparently, and this was a little bit of Beatles prescience, at one point he does say help while he's in the bathroom, uh, and he's playing with a submarine at the same time. Which is not yellow as far as we can tell. Well, it's gray, because everything's white. gray. Yes. <laughs> yeah. um, it was a surprise. I had expect after seeing help and being really honestly bored by help, mm-hmm. um, and knowing that this was just a bit of fluff, I expected it to be enjoyless. Is that a word? No. No. No, it is not. It is now. Um, <laughs> and I, it was, parts of it were fun. The music yeah. was padding, but I, the parts that were funny, I enjoyed. Uh, yeah. Them running around being chased, meh. But I'd say if you're a Beatles fan, and, or if you've just discovered the Beatles music and you're wondering more about them, it's not going to teach you anything factual about them at all. But it is going to give you a real idea of their image, of what, how people saw them. Yeah, and there's little bits in there. Like, I was fascinated by the, the depiction of class differences in Britain at the time and the emerging, you know, focus on youth culture and stuff, which is still where we are. And I'm not at all grumpy about it being a middle-aged white guy. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, music and hair and clothes. Yeah, yeah hair and clothes. Boo! <laughs> <laughs> I, so it's one of those things where I was surprised how much could be pulled out of it. So, uh, yeah, yeah, sure. You know what? watch yep. but uh hey speaking of watching stuff we have that poll question to go yes back. we do remind uh, that's, us that's won't you watching stuff yes i would like to know what is your favorite movie quote and actually we would like to know sorry max 
What is your favorite movie quote? What line from some movie pops into your head most often, and why do you like it so much? And how can you tell us about that? Well, there's myriad ways, although they're myriad, getting shorter. All shorter. the myriad ways. <laughs> all the myriad ways. Uh, first up, email us directly. Us at MaxMikeMovies.com is a great way to get in touch with us, and you can do that for answers to the poll question, for suggestions for new shows, uh, for suggestions for uh, whatever. Actually, right now we have it on our Facebook page, which I'll get to in a second, where we're asking uh, who's an actor you'd like us to do a little deep dive into, a little full mm. episode series into. We've got some answers so far, but hey, feel free to email us some more. You can go to our website where you can leave comments on any given episode to either say, you guys stink, I don't like what you think about my favorite movie, me, 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 me. And be Please sure to don't spell. write that or <laughs> Mike will cry. <laughs> and make sure to spell me, 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 me properly. Cause, yes, yeah. that's very important. And that's MaxMikeMovies.com. Uh, you could also find us on social media, as I was just talking about, such as Facebook and, uh, for the moment, Twitter. But uh, I think those days are numbered. Um, or if you're listening to podcasts on other podcast apps, you'll probably find us on that same app. And that might include the Google Podcast Babadabba Zap or the Flabadabba Doop. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, flabadabadap. That's uh, that's actually that's a pretty. My favorite that's one. not as popular, but uh, I like the interface. The Google Podcast app, or the Apple Podcast app, or perhaps iHeartRadio, or I don't uh, Amazon Music. Apparently, we're on. Yep, yep, we're on Amazon Music. A couple of those we're not going to mention them because these days it's getting harder and harder to find these things that aren't owned by big poop heads. But. <laughs> We're going to finish up this yep. series, ladies they and gentlemen, are. the Beatles, with next week's entry. And Max, mm. what Beatles-centric, uh, entirely encompassing all that is Beatles movie are we going to finish up on? Ah, uh, we see. We've also talked about the influence the Beatles have, the creative, the creativity that they've uh, inspired. So, really, this is more of the culmination of what the Beatles gave the world, mm. and what is a greater symbol of that. Then the monkeys. Huh? <laughs> We're going to watch the monkeys, sadly, only movie, oh. I don't know why, <clears throat> head. Well, maybe we'll find out why. <laughs> well, we were hoping, yeah, I know they were hoping for the sequels, Neck and Shoulders, but I don't think those were made, or if they were, they were never released widely. But yes, we're going to watch the monkeys movie, head. So, head, won't you? Head. This has been a co-production of The Voice of Max and The Movie Wrench.